0: That could make a Wolverine turn on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: It is hour number three of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you guys. We have lots of college stock. We've got a lot that is going to be going down in terms of Thursday in the NFL, but that said, here on this Wednesday, we've got a lot of college basketball. So We're going to be joined in about 15 minutes by Colby Dant. He does a great job over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Really haven't dove too much into college football yet on this show, and we're going to be doing that with him. On top of that, we're going to be talking some college basketball. He is the host over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of The College Experience, which that's a great podcast. I can tell you my experience was spent. A little bit too long at Molly McGuire's. A terrific bar out there in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So I'm sure that a lot of you guys are able to insert your favorite place there. But I always think that that's a great name right there. But we're going to be talking with Kobe about little college basketball, little college football, having a good time with it. And I've got some picks in terms of this college basketball slate for Wednesday as well. And we're going to be going out west to begin these as we go 771-772. The Wooden Legacy gets going with Fresno State and Washington doing battle, and with Washington, they opened up a two-point favorite. Now you're finding them in a lot of places as a three-point favorite. Total on this game is anywhere between 126.5 and 128. I'm going to be taking a look at. I'm going to be taking a look at Fresno State in this spot because I did make Washington myself a two-point favorite. Now that you've gone up north of that two, and now that you're getting the three, I think you've got a little bit of value. For Fresno State and points going to be at a premium. Washington all of a sudden has been playing very slowly this year. They're getting back to sort of the roots of Mike Hopkins, what I thought that they were going to be doing a little bit more. And Washington, it just feels like year in and year out. They don't play any sort of a consistent style. Sometimes they are just absolutely gunning it up and down the floor. Sometimes they're playing very, very slow. Fresno state is sticking to the roots. Fresno state has never really been an up-tempo team in terms of the current coaching regime that is there and shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They're one of the bottom teams in terms of total possessions per game right now. And, I don't think that that's going to be varying anytime soon. The big thing for Fresno State is that they had to replace Orlando Robinson. Robinson was absolutely terrific for this bunch last season. He had seven feet tall, was able to pop threes, 19 points, seven boards, a little bit over a block per contest. Now they bring in Isaiah Moore. He was a top junior college prospect a few seasons ago. Spent last season at Mississippi or Southern Miss. And while he was at Southern Miss, he was a relatively solid player. was a guy that was able to give the team right in that neighborhood above 11 points, five boards, not a prolific three-point shooter, but someone that was capable of shooting threes. So they have been running a lot of offense own. but with Fresno State, 351st in the country in terms of possessions per game. Washington, a blistering 282nd. And with Washington, they're actually looking to Braxton Mayo, who... I mean, Fresno State, they're a little bit familiar with him because he was at Fresno State last season. He was glued to the bench behind Orlando Robinson. Now he's been seeing meaningful minutes for Washington. so A little bit of a shoe being on the other foot sort of scenario there. And for Washington, I do think that they get the straight-up one year because they're going to have the best pure scorer out there on the floor. And it's not who you'd expect because they brought in this true freshman. And I really like that as being able to pump in there right around 17 or so points per contest has been a little bit. Inconsistent, but Keenan Metcalf has been doing a absolutely terrific job for the team. He's currently shooting fifty percent from three. I think that that's going to fall off a little bit. And for Washington in general, they're shooting thirty six and a half percent from three point range, and I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. And they've been already playing a little bit more slowly than they have in past seasons. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of value moving forward on their unders. Now with Washington, they do a good job of keeping teams off the offensive glass. And at the same time, they don't do a great job of giving themselves second and third chances as well. Meanwhile, for Fresno State, they really need to get Jameiro Baker up and firing all cylinders. He's just been banged up the last few seasons. A former top-runner recruit from, get this, 2017. This guy has been in college for forever and a half. Was a double-figure scorer a few seasons ago at Arizona. Began his career at Kentucky. He's now a seven-point-per-game scorer for Fresno State. So, it's been a little bit of a bust rooney for him. You don't necessarily have a lot in terms of facilitation. Donovan Yap has been able to give you two and a half assists per game. It's really been a team of a lot of isolation, but what I think is just so important for this team is being able to generate a few turnovers, just being able to dig into this Washington team, in which they themselves don't necessarily have that one guy that's doing a terrific job of being able to dole the ball out. They've got Keon Brooks back in the fold. He, when he's been out there on the floor, has been able to give the team 15 and a half points, six and a half boards. He began his career at Kentucky as well, but... I take a look at this scenario and you got a Washington team that's dealing with quite a few injuries so if they're on Fresno State team and a little bit of transition in terms of their backcourt. I think that this is going to be a low scoring slobber knocker. Set my toe at 125 and a half. I'm looking under with Washington. It's so willing to lay up to two with them. Now that we've gotten to three, I think that you've got your buy point here with Fresno State. 773, 774 on the betting board. It is St. Mary's and they are going to be playing against Vanderbilt pretty much a Pseudo home game for St. Mary's at this point. This is going to be played in Anaheim, California, not too far away from where they are based. And Vanderbilt, they have to travel from Nashville, Tennessee. And we saw St. Mary's open up as a seven-point favorite. This has been steamed up to now 8.5 in a lot of spots. And your total on game is 127.5. Wouldn't want to lay too much more than 8.5 with St. Mary's, but I am willing to lay it. St. Mary's, once again, playing their very slow, very methodical pace. But in this St. Mary's team, it's just an absolute juggernaut. They have so many guys that they all know their role. They are a completely well-oiled machine. If you saw their game against North Texas about a week or so ago, I know that North Texas was a little bit banged up in that game. They were without all their key pieces. But St. Mary's held North Texas to shoot one of 22 from the floor to begin that game. They were up like 33-6. I mean, the St. Mary's team, they don't play fast. It's not like they go bombs away from three, but when they do take threes, they hit them. They're shooting at a clip of about 44% from distance. They do a great job of generating some seals. They do an amazing job of just knowing where they are on the floor and creating some good, efficient offense. This St. Mary's team, in my opinion, is the real deal. And for Vanderbilt, was expecting a whole lot more out of Lee Dort. He was a top 150 recruit. He's come in and he's played in like three games and he's averaging about two points per game. That's not necessarily too terrific for the team. It's been all about Miles Stute along Jordan Wright. These two guys are averaging about 22 points per contest. Stute is shooting 48% for three-point range. That's actually very good for Vanderbilt, but really, other than Liam Robbins, you don't have a lot down low for this team. Vanderbilt, out of 363 D1 teams, they are 363rd in terms of free throw shooting percentage they're shooting 50% at the free throw line. That is not too terrific. As their man, John, he's come in from UC Davis was able to be a solid facilitator while he was out there on the West coast. So he comes back home. He's been able to do a solid job, give the team four assists, less than a turnover per game. And that's really the big thing for this Vanderbilt team. They've been able to do a nice job holding on to the ball, being steady there, but this is already a Vanderbilt team with a straight applause on their own Florida Southern Miss. And if you're watching Southern Miss, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit and I'll give them 20 seconds of live service. They've been able to provide you with a lot of value, They've won on the road against Liberty. They've won on the road against Vanderbilt, and they just knocked off Winthrop on a neutral court and completely destroyed them in the second half. So good on S- Southern Miss. But that said, with this Vanderbilt team, not really looking too rosy for them. Defense is honestly playing relatively well. It's an offense that has just not been able to get a lot generated. That said, for St. Mary's, they hang their head on defense. They've been able to do a solid job there, but their offense has been really, really good. Some like a Kyle Bowen, who's six foot eight, he's able to bury threes. You've got. Gus Malachunas, who's been able to do a very nice job being able to generate some seals. That turns into some fast break buckets on the other end. St. Mary's also has someone that I like down low in Mitchell Saxon, who's been able to give you nine and a half rebounds per game. Opponents do not get second chances on this team. As a matter of fact, they're averaging five and a half offensive rebounds per game. And that's incredible with the amount of bricks that teams have been playing against the St. Mary's team. I am willing to lay the 8.5 that we're seeing right now with St. Mary's. Not necessarily a whole heck a lot more just because it's going to be a low-possession game. And with this total, I did set it at a, 127 and a half. I think that it's gone a little bit too low because St. Mary's they're shooting in the top 15 in all of college basketball in terms of team three-point shooting percentage. Alex Dusas giving you 14 points per contest, pouring in their threes. I like this low total over, and I do like St. Mary's laying the points. And how about if we go with another West Coast game, as I know that Mackenzie Kramer was mentioning this one a little bit earlier, and it is Pepperdine versus UCLA. 713, 714 on the board. UCLA opened up a 17-point favorite. Now we're seeing this down to between 16 and 16 and a half points, and your total is anywhere between 149 and 149.5 and With UCLA, I set them at 15 and a half. So the line move, it does affect things a little bit. I'm still willing to take 16 to 16 and a half with Pepperdine. Really wouldn't want to go any further down than this because with UCLA, you've got a very well-rounded group. Tiger Campbell didn't have his finest game against Illinois, but that said, when it comes to this UCLA bunch, you're going to be just fine. They lose a pair of games out here in lovely Las Vegas, but it's not like they lost to some bum of the month club or anything like that. You still have a lot of talent in terms of Marari Bailey, who's come in as a top 20 prospect. He's been able to do a nice job filling up the stat And Jalen Clark, talking about that, he suffered 16 and a half points, right around three steals, eight rebounds, shooting it well from three-point range. And then on the flip side for Pepperdine, you got Houston Mallet, who's been shooting it very well for three-point range for a Pepperdine team that, in terms of offensive efficiency, they've been one of the better teams that you've been finding recently. And if this last name sounds familiar, it should. Javon Porter relation to Michael Porter. He used to play at Missouri. He comes from Columbia himself. but able to come in, give the team 13 points, 9 rebounds per game. If I do have a little bit of trepidation when it comes to this Pepperdine team, very top heavy when it comes to their scoring as you've really got six guys that are able to contribute and then from there you have a big giant fall off but even someone like a John Zadek who's been able to give you 7.5 points, 2.5 rebounds per game was much more of a contributor last season. He's been able to do a nice job. Mike Mitchell, 14 points per contest. He's been able to bomb it at 57.5% from three, and I do fear that Pepperdine is going to have a little bit of regression here. Each of their top four scorers shooting at least 40% from three, including two out of their top three, shooting north of 57% from three-point range. You'll say that's not necessarily sustainable, as currently Pepperdine is collective shooting 46% from the outside, but what Pepperdine has also been able to do a solid job of is being able to hit the defensive glass as well, as they're one of the top teams in terms of defensive rebounds on a per game basis as well. So you're able to feel relatively good about that with this Pepperdine team, they've been a little bit more buttoned down, not creating as many dumb mistakes under Lorenzo Romar. So it's a spot in which I'm willing to take the current number, but I'm really not willing to go any further down than a 69. I saw total at 149 and a half, so at 149. Going to be taking a look at this total over as well, and coming up next here on the Greg Peterson Experience, we're going to be talking with Colby Dant. Does a great job over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, host of the college experience and talking college football, and we're talking college basketball next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
3: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson
0: himself on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: Get in on the football action this season with Hulu Plus Live TV's extravaganza. You're able to compete for $55,000 in two different ways. Compete for what will happen in three college football football pools and then make your picks for eight fantasy NFL contests. You're able to head on over to DraftKings.com slash Hulu NFL now to play for free. Hulu Plus Live TV. Light like cable only. Better terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See so for details. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience, right here on Visa, and the Sports Bank Network. And now you've got to get another experience because he is the host of the College Experience. It is Kobe Dant, Does great work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Kobe, great to have you aboard board tonight. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. I was. Uh, I've been. I've been looking forward to come on and talk
3: college hoops with you. I run into people and they say, "Oh, you got to." You got to connect with hoops Peterson.
4: So I'm, I'm honored to be here. I am gre- glad to have you aboard. We're going to talk college hoops in the next segment. We're going to start off with a little bit of college football because we've got a whopper of a card. As we know, Michigan versus Ohio state is going down. We've got a lot of teams that they've got big time playoff implications. And this is a game that is going to have some big time implications as well because we've been continuing to say, Oh, when is TCU going to sub their toe? Is this the week that TCU is going to be going down? And, Every single time they've been in a close game, they have been able to get the job done. Right now with TCU, we we'll are find them as a 10-point favorite at most books. Total is between right around about a 47, 47.5. What are you saying on this game? Because I do think that TCU is going to be able to get it done. I think that they're going to be able to keep it rolling. You just fear that they just get into a little bit of a look ahead spot because we've seen that case in point, rich Rodriguez and his West Virginia team many, many years ago. We've seen many examples of this, but I do think that TCU gets the job done just a little bit trickier than it might meet the eye though, in terms of this one for me.
3: Yeah. I mean, Matt, I like, I was stating the points. I'll get right out and say that I was state. Uh, They've had a disappointing season, but I still feel like they're a pretty good football team. They have a top ten defense right now, and if you look back to the Kansas game, which had a dynamic offense, I'd say when uh, when Jalen Daniels was healthy, Iowa State kind of kind of put the the locks down on that on that offense, and I think they can do they can present a lot of challenges for Max Duggan and TCU and Sonny Dykes, and get this. Uh, Matt Campbell, I believe, out of his last 22 losses in Ames, only three have been by more than 10 points. I think Iowa State's going to give them a game. They're already not bowl eligible, so I think they're going to treat it like this is the bowl game right here. And with that elite defense, I think they can cover that 10. I'm with you that TCU probably will get it done, but I think they're in for a fight. And, I mean, look at it. You, You see how deep the Big 12 is. We're about to see Iowa in the in the uh, in the in the Big Ten championship probably. Iowa State beat Iowa, so I think Iowa State's a pretty good football team. They just lost every single game pretty much with the exception of one by by a close score. So I expect it to be another close game. The offense for for the Cyclones is a little inexperienced. I think probably will be the deciding fate of them. Can they? Can they find a way to uh, get some points on the
4: board? But I think they cover the 10 in Fort Worth. Yep. I, I just lean towards Iowa state in this spot because as you mentioned, they have lost all, but one of their games by seven points or fewer and that one loss by more than seven. They lost by two touchdowns against Oklahoma. So they've actually done a very solid job of being able to stay close in games. But they've been like your buddy at the bar. They just have not been able to close to this point. And then I will throw this one at you as well. Whether or not you've got a play or not does not matter to me. But I just want to get your thoughts on this Ohio State versus Michigan game. This is really the biggest one because it's pretty much a loser-leave-town sort of scenario in terms of being able to go to the college football playoff with Michigan, finding them as between a seven and a half and an 8-point underdog in. I don't think Michigan pulls this off outright, but with their defense, I think that they can hang within a touchdown in this game.
3: I think they can too. And now some of that is me holding on to a future for Michigan to win the big 10 East. But I, I, I really believe that yes, both teams, you know, had scare games last week that they almost, they almost fell. Uh, but I really believe that Michigan's style of play is something that challenges the way Ohio state plays ball. They're kind of a finesse team. And I think Jim Harbaugh, Say what you want about him. I know he hasn't got the national championship. I know he was, you know, sleeping at the kid's bunk bed for the, uh, you know, the <laughs> kicker that he was recruiting. But at the same time, I think he's the better coach in this game. And I think he'll find a way to keep his team within one score. I- I'm with you. Ohio state might get the win here, but I think that line's a little, little too much there. I, I-, I ride with blue uh, plus the points there.
4: And we will spare our listeners the... Shall we say detriment of looking at another Iowa game and whether or not you're taking over on a very very low total and instead we'll go to a different Big Ten game? Obviously, not as big of implications here, but you know what? It is a battle for the great state of Indiana. Hoosiers are a ten and a half point home underdog totals anywhere between fifty three and fifty four. Obviously, on the basketball court, this is going to be a much better matchup, but. That said, I do take a look at Indiana, very much a disappointing year for them, but I just don't know if Purdue is worth laying 10 to ten and a half points with on the road at this point. It's not necessarily a boat of confidence for Indiana, but just more or less, I don't know if Purdue has shown enough to warrant this.
3: Uh, I'm completely with you. You know, Hey, it's a rivalry game, the battle for the old Oak bucket. Right? Yes. I mean, uh, this is a rivalry that goes back a long way. And I thought Indiana showed a lot of guts last week. They were down. I think they were down 17-0, I think, at one point. Yeah. But they battled back. They know their coach, Tom Allen's on the hot seat. And to me, that was a gutsy performance in East Lansing, gra- grabbing that win in overtime to to beat Mel Tucker and in- sp- Sparty. I-, I think Indiana is going to show up because they know the stakes. I-, I don't know that this game is going to preserve Tom Allen's future in Bloomington, but I think he is a player's coach, and I think they're going to show up for him. and I- And I think last week, if you look, Sean Shivers had a gigantic day on the ground for uh, the Hoosiers. I know Purdue is not Purdue of a couple years ago. Like Ron English has done a good job with that defense. But I think Sean Shivers uh, can can have success against Purdue. And then uh, Charlie Jones, the Purdue wideout, who's been an absolute beast this season, coming over from Iowa, where I'm sure he's very glad he made that decision. Uh, He's going to go up against, I get it, Indiana's pass defense has not been very elite this year but they do have a corner that is on the NFL radar in Tywin Mullen. And I think Mullen will be able to at least challenge Jones some where Purdue's going to have to find other ways to uh, maybe they go to the tight end pain Durham. I don't know, but I think Indiana can hang with them enough. It's a rivalry game. I love getting more than a touchdown in a rivalry game.
4: I do as well. And then this is one that it's maybe not the most prime of prime rivalry games, but it's two teams within the same state. Once again, getting a little bit over a touchdown and, Two teams that they can relate to each other as they lost one score games to TCU. Baylor and Texas. For Texas, man, you just never know what could have happened with this team. They've had the breaks really not go their way in a lot of close games this season. But that said, with Texas, right now find them as about an 8.5 point favorite. And total on this game is 56. Really had higher expectations for Baylor. They disappointed a little bit this season, but I do think that the guys are going to be able to fight very hard for Dave Aranda, who, in my opinion, is still a really good defensive mind just out there in a very tough big 12, a little bit of a tough spot, but with Texas, they just have not been able to win games by margin too much. And with Texas, I do think that this is a number that's getting up a little bit too lofty with them.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, we see eye to eye again, because I think, Texas struggles against teams that are like Baylor, like, okay, Texas looked great against Kansas, but Kansas has been a mess. They also made the transition from Jason Bean to Jalen Daniels thought the the rhythm was a little bit off with the Kansas offense uh, going back to a quarterback that had been injured a few, a few, uh, pretty much like a month. But even when you look into that game, it was all Bijan Robinson. I mean, one of the better days on the ground all year, he had 243 yards and four touchdowns. Baylor's strength is their run defense. Their defensive line in general, I think, is the strength of of the Baylor Bears. And Dave Aranda is a defensive guru. That's how he got his calling card, you know, coming up through LSU and and, uh, even far back to Mike Leach at Texas Tech. Uh, But Quinn Ewers, even in last week's win, was just 12 of 21 for 107 yards. That's not good. That's not good. I think Dave Aranda is going to do exactly what TCU and Joe Gillespie did. Their defensive coordinator with the Horn Frogs. I think he's going to lock down Bijan Robinson in the ground and make Quinn Ewers beat you. And to be honest, I don't think he's ready to do that. I, I know he, he impressed in the Alabama game, but since then defenses have gotten time to hone in on what he does. I think Baylor could win the game outright to tell you the truth
4: with Baylor. I do think that this defense is going to be big. And just with Texas, it feels like the offense has been a little bit inconsistent recently. And we've got about a minute left. Just want to get your thoughts on this big one between Notre Dame and USC. USC, a five and a half point favorite. I think USC should be able to get it done. But I like the way that Notre Dame has played ever since that disappointing start to the season. Any sort of a play on this game?
3: Yeah, I like the Irish. I think I think uh, you know it's kind of a contrast in styles. It's like uh, to me when Purdue plays Wisconsin, Purdue's kind of the finesse team. I'm uh, not to compare USC to Purdue, but I'm saying it's a contrast in styles because Notre Dame's defense. We saw it against Ohio State in the opener, and they've only gotten better since then, in my opinion. I think they're going to be able to challenge Caleb Williams in this offense, and then when they really, I think, have an advantage is the offensive line uh, of the Irish against the the USC defensive line who got up last week against UCLA. But can they do it two weeks in a row? I I think Notre Dame can can cover this and I actually wouldn't be surprised if they won it outright.
4: And Notre Dame, we were hearing about Mr. Freeman perhaps being on the odd seat. Not anymore, but coming up next, we're going to be rejoined by Kobe Dant of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and we're going to be talking about the top tag team team in all of college basketball with them next, right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: You don't have to wait until after Turkey Day to score a great Black Friday deal with VSIN because our new VSIN Pro annual subscribers get a $30 credit to the VSIN store with VSIN Pro access. You get daily recaps of top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests, tools like our betting splits to see where the money and the bets are moving for every single game, and deep dives and daily betting reports. Plus, our upcoming College Bowl and Super Bowl betting guides. The VSIN store is a great place to shop for VSIN sports betting. Hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up, because this is a limited-time offer. Black Friday is coming up soon, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at com So, I subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network, being joined by a man with a, another experience that he's hosting, that'd be Kobe Danti. He does a great job with the college experience right on the Visa or right on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and I teased it on the flip side, We've got to take a look at the most prolific tag team in all of college basketball. In this one, you don't just get William, you don't just get Mary, you get both, and you also get two and a half points. I guess they awarded two points for both of them and a half a point for the fact that they teamed up together against Radford. Radford, the road team, and you're is anywhere between one thirty-eight and a half and one thirty-nine and a half. I'm not sure about you, but this William and Mary team has been very sad in recent years. They've also never made the NCAA tournament. One of four original schools to have never made the NCAA tournament. But where do you stand on this one? Because I do think that Radford is a really well-rounded team. Hard to be able to win on the road, but I made Radford more around a five-point favorite.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, it stood out right away going through all the college basketball games. First off, Darius Darius Nichols doing a great job at at, uh, Radford with the Highlanders. I mean, he, I remember him when he used to play for Bob Huggins, but uh, Bradford kept it close with Marquette. They kept it close with Notre Dame. I mean, they really had Notre Dame on the ropes. Uh, and you look at what they've been doing. They're 28th in the nation at taking care of the basketball, 33rd in offense, top 100 in defense. And they got a great backcourt with Giles and, and Daquan Smith. And you look at what does William and Mary do? They're 307th in defense. I think they're going to be able to attack with that 33rd ranked offense. Come at them, and I I was shocked that it was two and a half. I thought it'd be higher up. So uh, I'm all over the Highlanders on the. That's, and another thing is, it's not a far road trip. You're talking about going from Radford to Williamsburg. That's not crazy time. G- give give me uh, give me the Highlanders to get it done outright. You mentioned. Or,
4: the f- yeah. Yep. The the Highlander is laying about two and a half or so as we're seeing right now, but you mentioned not necessarily a long road trip. And this is also one because I grew up in the great state of Wisconsin. So I'm very familiar with this. They used to be D3 back when I was in college. St. Thomas, the old Tommies are going to be on the road going up against UW-Milwaukee. UW-Milwaukee is between about a two and a half to a three point home underdog. They opened up as a two point underdog. They're now getting steamed up a little bit. And I think the correct move is being made. St. Thomas, last season, they didn't play a lick of defense. They played very slow, but they were solid on offense. They're still solid on offense. Defense is looking a little bit better, and with this UW-Milwaukee team, I actually really like the coaching ire that they made in the offseason. They brought in the coach from Queens NC, but that said, with UW-Milwaukee, this is a long-term rebuild. It's not going to be easy to be able to pick things up, and I like St. Thomas on the road laying a very small number here between two and a half and three.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we see eye to eye here. St. Thomas, you know, they, they played Creighton incredibly well in the opener. And you, you look at that guard play with Ryan, Riley Milner and uh, Andrew road. Uh, those guys can light it up. They're 18th in the nation right now, three point percentage, 74th in offensive rating. And look, I, I, I agree. I think Milwaukee made a, the right hire with Bart Lundy, but at the same time, it's a process. And right now, I think St. Thomas Johnny towers program. First off, He played with the Tommies back in the nineties and uh, he's been with the program for a long time. And I think you're starting to see that program go into a second gear here. uh, You know, now that they're brand new to to, D one, I think they can contend in the summit league this year. So I I got St. Thomas minus the
4: points and I I like it a lot. We've been taking a look at a few road favorites here. This is one where we've got another road favorite. This is one where I'm going to be going with the home team though. We've got Detroit against Charlotte. Detroit opened up as a two-point underdog. Now we're seeing them as a three-point underdog. And with Detroit, I think the big key is you got the best player on the floor, in my opinion, in Antoine Davis. 24 points per contest throughout his college basketball career. And, man, this guy has been in college for a very, very long time. But now they're finally getting something out of, like, a Demezi Anderson, who is a former four-star recruit at Indiana. He's been able to do a nice job down low, and that's always been the key. Feels like it's typically Antoine Davis and nobody else. He's getting a few more contributors. And for Charlotte, just all about Ali Khalifa and the fact that he's six foot 11. He's able to dole out assists. He's able to give you rebounds. He's able to pop a few threes. I like his game, but I do think that the backcourt is where Detroit wins this game. And that's why I've got them winning outright in this spot.
3: I I mean, I I can see it. I think Detroit is probably better than their record. I I thought they should have beat Boston college uh, in in the opening. Who lost to Maine. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I
3: mean, uh, but, but I'll I tell you, I, I've really been impressed with the job Ron Sanchez is doing with the 49ers. He's playing Tony Bennett ball. As you know, he was a longtime assistant with Tony Bennett there in Charlottesville. And look at what they're doing right now. They're 344th in pace, right? 52nd in defense, 85th in the nation in field goal percentage. I feel like they're a mid-major Virginia program, essentially. And I, I, I think Charlotte's playing better ahead of way of – way ahead of where I thought they would be this year. And a lot of it has to do with Khalifa, the big that you alluded to. Also the guard play, Bryce Williams, Jackson Threadgill. I like them to lock down Detroit and I'm going to go with the better coaching here. I think, I think uh, Sanchez is actually more cutting edge right now than Davis. So I'm going to take Charlotte minus the points in Detroit.
4: And it's an interesting total as well, because Detroit is not a team that's looking to gun it either. They're incredibly efficient on offense. They're incredibly inefficient on defense as well, which is why you typically find higher totals with Detroit, despite the fact that they are a team that they are not looking to gun it at all. A team that is looking to get it go though. That is NC state. They're going to be playing against Kansas very early game out there in the Bahamas, Kansas. They open up an eight to eight and a half point favorite. We're seeing this move to nine in a lot of spots. And I think the right move is being made. I do like Kansas in this spot with NC state, They've looked solid in their first few games, but when you're playing against teams like Elon and Campbell, it's hard to not look solid. And for Kansas, it just feels like this is going to be a different team this year. They're very much more defense oriented. Grady Dick, good three-point shooter. At the same time, you don't have a lot of those guys in the backcourt that will give you scoring, but bringing in David McCormick just does a little bit of everything. You've got guys are able to do a nice job of being able to facilitate as well. So, In this spot, I like Kansas. I also sort of correlate it with the under just because with Kansas, I think that this is a team that is going to be doing a great job on that side of it.
3: Uh, We see eye to eye here. I mean, uh, NC State, you know, Kevin Keats, it's a make or break year for him, I would say. He's done a great job thus far. I mean, but you're right. The schedule is thin uh, when you look at, at competitive teams on there. I get it. Turquavian Smith, great player. Jarkel Joyner, the transfer from Ole Miss. I think, yeah, they did did a great job landing him in the portal. But Kansas just had a scare with Southern Utah, and I know that must have been an issue in practice. Uh, So I'm all over the Jayhawks here. I think Jalen Wilson and then, uh, like you alluded to, Grady Dick is a guy that I think is going to get more comfortable playing D1 basketball. Remember, he's just a freshman. And then you've got Dewan Harris, the experienced guard, and then Kevin McCuller, the transfer from Texas Tech, there's too many weapons. I got I got lay the points with Kansas. They're a great rebounding team, and that's been a weakness
4: of NC State so far. I think Kansas rolls. And then just in terms of this event, what I've always noticed, I'm not sure if you notice this as well, but in the battle for Atlantis, it seems to have the most rough and most unfriendly rims I've ever seen of any venue in my life. We always talk about the Maui invitation on, I always l- take a look at the over just because you do have those friendly rims. Do you make anything out of this as well? Because I've always noticed in the battle for Atlantis, it feels like if there's any ball on the rim, it's just going to bounce like 20 feet in the air and go like out of bounds or something like that.
3: <laughs> we, we were talking about it in our discord earlier today. Uh, we, we were mentioning that it was, we, we use the, the analogy of it being uh, like the United center in the nineties. I feel like opposing teams had a really hard time shooting in the United center. Maybe that was the bulls lockdown defense. I don't know, but uh, either way, I, I, yeah, we have
4: definitely taken note
3: and I think you're, I think you're right.
4: Yeah. I mean, with Maui, it's like, oh, everything's going in and the battle fan line is well, have fun here for Thanksgiving. You are going to get cold, So there you are there. And then we've got one other game to hit on. We were mentioning Maine and the fact that they knocked off Boston College. Now they go on the road to Central Connecticut State. And Central Connecticut State is a one-point favorite. Tron's game is 135.5. I think that this should be a little bit of a pick'em line, in my opinion. I lean a little bit to Central Connecticut because I actually do think that they've done a great job in terms of their coaching staff, Patrick Sellers, and Maine. I mean, this was a really rough job and they've actually brought in some offense. Where do you stand on this one? Because with Maine, they're coming off of a very, very nice win over Boston College. We we were on that on the
3: money line. We called that out uh, nice. the, 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 the main angle. So I can't fade them now after they hit for <laughs> us on that. Chris Markwood, former player at Maine. He knows what it takes to get it going. And boy, has he got it going. And Central Connecticut State's 352nd in defense right now. Currently, Maine's offense is 36. I know the stats are a little bit, you know, you've played some, some, I think, D2 schools there. So I, I just think Maine's offense, though, they seem to have it. They're buying in. Uh, I like Tynes, the point guard. I think he's the difference in this game. Give me the Black Bears to win this outright. Or I mean, they're one and a half point dogs, but I think they're going to win it outright.
4: And I do think that both of these programs are trending in the right direction. And this program is trending in the right direction because we got a great spot out of you, my friend, Colby. Great to get you aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was really good to be able to get Kobe on. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And coming up in the final segment, give you guys my DK Nation pick for college basketball for this Wednesday right here on v Esports Bank Network.
2: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The
4: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
3: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on
0: VCN, the sports betting network.
4: Happy Thanksgiving from Brett Rivers Online Sportsbook Feast on All the Action with Bet Rivers this holiday season. Football, basketball, hockey, and world cup. There is so much to be thankful for with Bet Rivers and so much more as you if you check out our Thanksgiving Day promotions. They include a football bet and get, first touchdown insurance, and single-game parlay bet and gets. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today as it is a whole new game. It is the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Big thanks to Kobe Dant. He did an absolutely terrific job. It was his first time joining me and he brought the fire. So that was terrific. We need to get him on a little bit more. And I always love talking about these major programs. Nothing like being able to crack a good William and Mary joke, taking a look at some main basketball. So. That was absolutely tremendous. A little bit of a programming note. If you're listening live to the Greg Peterson Experience, coming up next is going to be a replay of the Greg Peterson Experience. And if you are listening to a replay 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern, it is going to be follow the money coming your way. And a little bit of a programming note as well. Greg Peterson Experience will not be on from midnight to 3 Eastern tomorrow. It will be moved up three hours. We are actually going to be 9 to midnight. So I'm going to be giving you guys something a little bit more more immediate there, reacting to the Maui Invitational and so much more. So we're going to have a good time with it. Myself and the whole band, Jason Kahn, my wonderful producer, and so many others going to be working hard this holiday season. We will still be here for you, but just in a little bit of an earlier time slot. So we are able to spend a little bit more time with friends and family and still give you guys what you need to know in terms of sports betting and those winners. But let's try to be able to find a winner in the meantime on this Wednesday as we go out to the hardwood for my DK Nation write-up. 691, 692. It is Denver and IUPUI doing battle from from Louisiana, and with IUPUI they're an 11 half to a 12 point underdog. And your total it is between 133.5 and 134. I'm actually seeing a stray 134 half out there as well. And hey, this is an IUPUI team that they can't score to save their lives. The uh, write up is going to be on the total. I have been writing up a lot of spreads recently, but I'm going to go with the total and. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. I'm looking at the under. Without you, P-U-I, since the beginning part of last season, they're averaging, and I'm not even kidding here, about 52 points per contest. They are in the bottom three in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis this season. They were dead last in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis last season. And last year, they averaged 51.3 points per game. The fewest amount of points per game for any team currently at the D1 level since the shot clock went from 35 to 30. Just a really, really sad and pathetic effort here from this IUPUI team. They bring in Bryce Monroe. He saw his first action in the previous game against Franklin, a non-D1 school. He played 13 minutes. He was that same Houston say a few seasons ago, he was able to average double figures, but now he's a lone man walking, and he's still a little bit banged up. And he's going up against a Denver team that has actually been able to do a rock solid job on defense. And last season were ranked right around 310, 315th in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, and They've been able to shape up just a little bit as they're now ranking more in that neighborhood of about 160th or so. So they've be able to do a nice job there. And you just have two teams that are firing up bricks from three-point range. IUPUI who has yet to score 60 points in a game this season. That includes that game against 91 Franklin. So a team that they should be completely able to outgun. They are shooting 19% from three-point range. That is not a typo. Ipy shooting 19% from three-point range. Denver, 24.3% from three-point range. Two of the bottom 25 teams in college basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Denver, they've also cranked their tempo down a little bit. They are now ranking 280th in the country in terms of possessions per game. This is a team that when you had Roddy Billups, the uh, brother of Chauncey Billups, in the fold, they were playing quite a bit faster. So we've seen a little bit of a paradigm shift there. Ipy pretty average tempo team. They just... Stink in all aspects of basketball. They sink down low. They stink in the backcourt. They, I'm sure, stink in the showers as well, even though they are trying to get clean. They still sink because that's just this team in general. So not too great there. It's a write-up in which we're going to be taking a look at this total under. That is going to be the write-up. Currently seeing that at a 134 at DraftKings and felt like this should have been more around a 125 or so. And I felt like I was actually being generous. Putting in their positive progression with their three point shooting in terms of making it a 125. As this is also in a neutral court, so you've got unfamiliar surroundings. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total under and with this Denver team. I did set them as a 15 point favorite. You've got a couple guys that they come in and they're able to do a solid job coming in via the transfer portal. You've got a few big men like the gentleman from Stanford that has been able to give you 11 and a half points per contest and Lucas. you've also got Tommy Bruner who was over there at Jacksville and that's part of the reason why this team is playing a little bit better as well. Bruner was a part of one of the better mid major defenses in all of college basketball. Marco Lucic, he comes in from Little Rock. He's a guy that's six foot seven. He's able to pop some threes so I do like this total under with the DK Nation write-up and also in terms of spread I'm going to be taking a look at Denver. We've already hit upon the games are going to be going on for Battle for Atlantis and once again Unfortunately, with a lot of these games, like the Maui Invitational, Cayman Islands, you just don't have overnight numbers on them because what happened on Tuesday determines the Wednesday matchup. And typically, these will go up right around 4 to 5 a.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 a.m. Eastern time. But we do have something to bet upon in terms of this game. And I do think that it's going to be a relatively solid one. 689-700 on the betting board. It is Coastal Carolina And the Chanticleers are on the road facing off against Missouri. Missouri is anywhere between a a 13-and-a-half to a a 14-and-a-half point favorite. Seen this number move down as it did open up at 14-and-a-half. And and your total, it is 153. With Coastal Carolina, I think Isan Mustafa is going to do a good job of holding the team in the game. Set this number more around 13. So at the 13-and-a-half, you're starting to lose a little bit of value. But that said, I would still be willing to take the number here. Because with Mustafa, I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job down low. He, this season, has been able to give the team 16 points, 13.3 rebounds per contest. That is going to dry up a little bit, but he's been able to do a very solid job in terms of giving the team blocks, shooting over 70% from the floor. Close to Carolina, they face off against a few 91 teams, so a little bit of a step up in competition, but they bring in U. Brown. He was very solid when he was at Eastern Kentucky a few seasons ago, averaging 12 points, shooting in the mid-30s for the three-point range, two seals per game, and then Linton Brown, a former top-15 junior college transfer, according to JucoRecruiting.com. Began his D1 career at St. Bonaventure last season. St. Bonaventure decided that they were going to really not play anyone other than their starting five, didn't go to the bench. So Linton Brown, he decided to head to Coast Carolina, and so far so good, 15.5 points per contest, shooting 42% from three-point range, and it's a Coast Carolina team that they're shooting 42% from three, and they're going up against a Missouri bunch, and this team has been very much not shy about taking the threes. as. They've been able to bury right around 10 of them per contest. That's one of the top marks in all of college basketball. With that, Missouri also allowing teams to make quite a few threes as they are 287th in the country in terms of opponents, three-point shooting percentage. You've got Demoya Hodge along with Noah Carter. These two guys are combined to be able to give you about 30 points per contest. And I like with Hoj that he has been able to do a good job of being able to pickpocket right around 2.8 steals per contest. Missouri really cranking up their tempo. They bring in Dennis Gates, who is a very solid coach over there at Cleveland State. And right now the team is number two in terms of steals on a per-game basis as they're generating right around 13 per contest. Kobe Brown is very solid down low, six foot eight combo player. He's able to give the team six boards, double figure amount of points. He's able to pop some threes as well. And the big key is Isaiah Mosley. He came in last season after he was at Missouri State. He was able to give Missouri State 20 points, five boards, five assists. Very solid three point shooter. As a six foot six, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, but. Coastal Carolina did a great job bringing in their own guys in the transfer portal. some like Jimmy Nichols, who is beginning his career at Providence at VCU. He's been able to give the team a double-figure amount of rebounds per game. And Henry Abram, I mean, this guy was on an island out there at Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois, they were averaging 54 points per contest last season. He had to get off of that sinking ship, and he has found refuge on the ship of Coastal Carolina, and he's right now averaging 8.5 assists per game. Doesn't really shoot at all a lot, but he did at Eastern Illinois, a team that was terrible on offense. Shoot about 38.5% from three-point range, so I do think that you've got a little bit of value there with Coastal Carolina. As long as you're getting north of 13, I do like it here. of seeing mostly 14s on the board, so going to be one to take the points. Did semi one at 146.5. Missouri has been trying to... Hold teams down just a little bit more on defense. And for Coastal Carolina, offensive numbers thus far this season have been very, very large. With that said, they've also went up against some, shall we say, lesser competition. So going to be taking a look at the under and going to be taking a look at the points with Coastal Carolina. Just give you a little bit of a brief overview on this one. Appalachian State against East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State, I bring this up because they open up as two-point favorites. You're now finding them as three-point favorites with a total of anywhere between 139 and, F and 140 and with East Tennessee State, set them as a four-point favorite. And with that, I should say, ever since you had Dustin Curran take over the realm of this team as the coach, they've been playing at one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. East Tennessee State last season, a bottom 50 team in terms of tempo. So going to be taking a look at the total under. And with that, we're going to be hitting the DK Nation pick because I do think that there's something important to identify in terms of totals. with the uh, With the DK, or, or I should say, in terms of the pro tip, you are able to get all of our pro tips at beastin.com/slash subscribe. And the pro tip for this hour does have to do with tempo. When it comes to new coaches coming in, it typically causes for a change in tempo. Typically, you see the totals be quite off with regards to a lot of these new coaches. Something that you're able to identify early on during the college basketball season. And something I have identified is that follow the money is up next 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on Beaston Esports Betting Network.